Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 7, Paul writes, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to speak to you just for the next few moments from this title, What Didn't Happen? What Didn't Happen? Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to talk to us about what didn't happen. Amen. The Lord bless you this morning. You may be seated. I want to begin by looking at the statement that Paul made in verse 10 where he says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Verse 11 says, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Paul here is describing a process of demonstrating through natural life cycles, especially those of the born-again believer, of living for the Lord and demonstrating the power of God in our lives. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. It is the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one thing you have to know and realize is that everything that God created, all of it, including us, we are new creatures, all of it is ordained to demonstrate the glory of the Lord and to demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul says, look, I've gone through some things, and and you have gone through some things. We deal with trials and struggles in our life, but he said these matters and situations, they demonstrate the dying of the Lord Jesus. You see, the dying of the Lord Jesus was one of the most amazing things that occurred, one of the most brutal things, and yet it was something that provided hope for humanity because he took upon himself he took into his mortal body the sin of every man and every woman i love how he puts it in second corinthians 5:21 where paul says he hath made himself sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god in him but the beginning of that verse says for our sake he did that for us. He took a, he who knew no sin became sin 
that we might be made. So it's a beautiful thing. It was a it was a it was a terrible thing to observe, but it was a beautiful thing regarding the salvation of all mankind. And yet when people look upon it and, and look into it, there is this sobering reality. In fact, Jesus said concerning the cross of Calvary, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. There is such a there is such a physical phenomenon that that is associated with the story of the death of Jesus. He is God manifest in the flesh. God in flesh gave himself for humanity us who had no hope. That is the most appealing message that has ever been spoken of. No God that has ever been spoken of in mythology was willing to do that. And yet the God that you serve and the God that I serve, the God whose name I'm baptized in, he is willing and able to lay down his life so that I may live. I'm telling you, he did that for our sake. He laid down his life. It's a, it's a beautiful message. And so not only do we see it on display at Calvary, but we see that same message on display in the lives of those who follow him. For instance, when you go through a trial of life, you are demonstrating the death of Jesus Christ. When people see you suffer, know that, that they see you going through problems and difficult times. We all go through difficult times. I'm sure if we would pass the microphone around or open it up this morning to talk about life and your story, there is a lot of pain that would be revealed in this place. We've all have been through something, and we continue to go through things. There are physical anguish and emotional anguish, but I want you to know that when you go through that, that you didn't go through it alone, but the Lord was with you. And the Bible tells us that when we suffer, we have fellowship with him. You are, you never have such close fellowship with God than when you suffer. And the apostle Paul said, we are always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. There's always something in me that is dying, always. There's never a time when I am serving the Lord. There's never a time that I'm not expecting some sort of death in my life, be it the death of my own will or the death of a, a, a some sort of agenda or the death of a relationship that, that the Lord is ending. But there is a constant dying, if you will. And it's not just for the sake of dying. It's not just so that you can demonstrate the dying of the Lord Jesus. But Paul said it is also that so you can manifest the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus is manifest when we surrender to the dying of the Lord Jesus in our life. So we go through trials we go through struggles and we we go through difficulties and, and and there is something in us dying and there is also something in us that is coming to life. Can you say praise the Lord? 
When one thing dies, it gives birth to something else that comes alive. And, and it is so beautiful and so wonderful, and it's an, it's an amazing process. And ultimately, these things that I'm talking about, they are developing you and I into becoming the kind of man of God and the kind of woman of God that God would have us to be. And so Paul describes that. We which uh, live are always delivered unto death for his sake. Why? Paul said that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. I'm always going to go through something. You are always going to go through something that is producing the death of Jesus Christ. Why? So others can see the life of Jesus that the life of Jesus might be made manifest. And so we sing the song, to be like Jesus. On earth, I long to be like him. And we sing that song, and it's a beautiful song, but in reality, if you want to be like Jesus, you better get ready because you're going to have to take up your cross, and you're going to have to follow him. And it's going to involve death and, and uh, of certain things in your life, but all of that, it will always give way to the life of Jesus being made manifest in your mortal flesh. And Paul is expounding upon this principle. Paul is letting us know, I know what it means. I've seen it over and over again. I, I died of this, and life burst forth over here. And I, I died of that, and, and life came forth. It is the death and the resurrection. And Paul said, it's a, I've seen it over and over and over again. And he begins to describe these circumstances in which he saw this happen. And he described troubles that he faced. He said, we are troubled on every side, but we are not distressed. He said, we are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are cast down, but we are not destroyed. Friend, this is a powerful passage of Scripture, especially when you consider who is saying these words. You see, Paul was able to speak in authority concerning this relationship that he had with God, that he could go through all of this, troubles but not distress, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. It's an amazing passage for several reasons. One, you can look at situations in his life and you can see how he could give a personal account to the fact that he was troubled but not distressed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down and not destroyed. And not only that, but when you look at these words, they are, they are not just randomly chosen words, but they are connected together, one to another. So when the Apostle Paul said that we are troubled on every side, yet we are not distressed. He was describing this, this narrowing, this narrowing of circumstances like the walls were closing in. That's what he meant when he said troubled on every side. He was describing that the circumstances of life we're getting to the point where walls were closing in, and it, it looked like every which direction he turned, there simply was no hope. 
And yet, even though that was taking place and that's the way it was, he was not distressed. See, distressed is a a reference to an absolute squeezing and narrowing of circumstances. And so when he said, I was troubled on every side, but not distressed, he was saying that the walls were closing in. The ceiling was lowering, being lowered down and was coming down. And I was beginning to think that all hope was gone, but God delivered me. Amen. God delivered me before it became too much pressure for me to be able to survive. Those words, trouble and distress, they deal with pressure, pressurizing and narrowing. And you can see this happen in his life in Acts chapter 16 when he was called to go to a place called Macedonia. They were, they were there and they were preaching and they began to have success uh, uh, in the city because of the preaching and it caused an uproar in that town. And here is where the first wall became to, uh, uh, came to come in on Paul, the pressure on every side that he was talking about. It was an economic pressure. And, and the merchants of that city, they came together. Remember, they had the girl who was walking around, and she was a fortune teller, and he was saying, this is the man of God, and they're, they're, they're preaching over here. But when Paul turned around and got tired of it and cast the demon out of her, it upset the business owners of that city. That's how they were making the money. So this was an economic pressure. The merchants of the city came together and said, we need to cast Paul and Silas into the inner prison because they are shutting down parts of our economy. They're making it difficult for us. And so Paul began to feel the pressure. And there was religious pressure. There was religion. Hey, when you preach the gospel, there will always be religious pressure. So there's trouble on every side. And they're cast in the prison. I mean, the walls are closing in on, on, on Paul. Paul and Silas, though, laying in their prison, decided that they wouldn't concentrate on the fact that they were troubled on every side. But instead, they would concentrate on the fact, hey, God can still deliver. Hey, God's still with us. And God is still worthy of our praise. So what do they do? They lifted up their voice. And they prayed and they sang praises unto the Lord. And though they were constricted by chains and shackles, and though the walls of the prison felt like they were boxing them in, they sang praises unto the Lord. And while they were troubled on every side, they were weren't distressed. No! Because the Lord was with them. And the Lord, you read about it, caused what? Caused a great earthquake to take place that shook the jail and delivered them from their situation. Hey, friend, I want you to know that there is a promise of God for you. You might feel like there is trouble on every side, but I'm here to preach to somebody. The Lord will deliver you from that distress that you feel. He will deliver you from the constriction that is too much for your spirit, and you'll be able to experience the dying of the Lord. Trouble on every side, but it's going to manifest the life of Jesus in the victory that he brings. Would you clap? Clap your hands under the Lord. Let me remind somebody, Jesus knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. He'll make a way of escape for you. 
So Paul speaks with authority about this this troubling on every side. You see, it wasn't just cliche. It wasn't just something that sounded nice. No, Paul experienced this. He goes on to say, perplexed, but not in despair. Perplexed, it, it means it means feeling like there's no way out. Like there is no hope. There is, there is no way of escape. That, that's perplexed. But, but not in despair. Despair takes it a step further. This despair that Paul speaks of actually refers to being utterly at a loss. And while you're perplexed, you may think that you are at a loss. But as long as you are in that perplexed stage, you're not quite in the despair stage. Is this making sense? See, the despair stage is when you are at utterly at a, at a loss. That's it. But perplexities, they're just merely the feeling that there is no hope and there is no way out. This is what Paul said. I've been there when I thought I couldn't take it anymore, but God rescued me from getting to the point where I actually couldn't take it anymore. I I was perplexed, but I wasn't in despair. And we see this happen right after Paul comes into the church in Acts chapter 9. He comes into the church, and he has the most amazing. Now remember, everyone in the church they're afraid of him. I mean, they're, they're frightened. They're not, hey, Paul, come sit up on our platform, man. We just, like, come right up over here. No, this is Paul. you got to know who this is. It wasn't long before that you didn't want to see this man headed down your street. Saul was a Christian killer. Murdered people just for being a Christian. Just for following the Lord. And God saved him. He had a conversation with God. He found out that the God that he was speaking to is Jesus whom he was persecuting. And in this conversation, God gave him direction to how he could be saved from his sins. And so Saul goes to where the Lord told him to go. And when he arrives there, he receives salvation. Ananias laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And he received his sight. He received the Lord. God! changed his life. And, and, and what, did, what did he do? He began to tell. He began to tell everybody. He began to tell everybody that would listen, hey, the Lord delivered me. Hey, the Lord brought me out. And at first, they were afraid. They were afraid to be in the same room with him. But when they heard what he was saying, when they heard his testimony, this is what the Bible said. They said this, proving this, that this is very Christ. I love that phrase. There are some testimonies in this room right now that if we were to go around, they are testimonies that are very Christ. They're just like Jesus. When he made a way, I wonder if I get a testimony or a a witness in the room today where somebody knows the fact that God made a way where there seemed to be no way. You are lost and on your way to hell. You didn't think there was a way out, but the Lord stepped in. 
They said this is very Christ. But the Jews, the Jews weren't so happy. And the Bible says that the, the Jews were determined to kill Saul. Now, you know, when you're Saul and you just got done making sure that people who were Christians were murdered for their Christianity and now you're converted over to said Christianity and you hear that the same people that you used to run around with are now after you, you might be deceived by the devil into thinking that that's coming for you, that that's what you got come coming. But Saul knew what it was like to be perplexed. He knew what it was like when there seemed to be no way out. He was, the Bible talks about he was cornered in a room there and they were lying wait at the gate and they were going to kill him. Perplexed. What do you do? I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. What do you mean there is no way out? He knows what it's like to be perplexed, but he also knows what it's like to be delivered just before the perplexity turns into despair because the Bible lets us know they made a bad. They made a basket for this man, and they put Paul inside of that basket, and they lowered him on the outside of the wall, outside the window, and they let him down. Just when it looked like there was no way out, God made a way out. God made a way of escape. He was perplexed, but not in despair. He knows what it's like to be so perplexed that you think there's no way out, only to watch as God makes a way, only to watch. As God stepped in. Oh, I was troubled on every side, but I was in distress. I was, I was perplexed, but I wasn't in despair. I, I, I felt like I felt like there was no way out, but God saved me before I was utterly at a loss. You may feel like you are utterly at a loss. You may feel like you are to that point, but I'm telling you, God won't allow it to happen. God won't allow your spirit to completely get to that point where you are. With Jesus, you are never at a loss. I said with the Lord, you are never at a loss. Paul talks about being persecuted, but not forsaken. This word persecuted in the Greek, it, it actually means to be pursued. Paul knew what it was like to be pursued for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, anytime you talk about persecution, you are generally speaking of religious persecution. Much of the persecution came from the, from the religious circles, and that's where you'll find much of that going on. See, the gospel is an, it's an offensive message, okay? Because the gospel says that you actually don't have to put faith in what you do. You, you put faith in what the Lord did, okay? And it's an amazing message. We're all on the same page. When, friend, when we sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound, we're not lying. It actually sounds some to some too good to be true. This man paid for my sins. His blood has the ability to cover me and to wash me. It's a remarkable message that saves to the uttermost. 
and it reaches down into the, in the muck and the mire of any problem that you've got yourself involved with. And the religious world doesn't like the gospel. Why? Because it conflicts with all of their strings that they'd like to attach to their message. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ comes under assault. It comes under assault from the religious folk, the religious persecution. And this is what Paul was experiencing. He was preaching Jesus. He was preaching, friend, there's no other message. We preach Jesus. He was preaching Jesus. Hey, he set me free. He brought me out. He, he did this for me. He did it. I said he did it. I didn't do it. Paul did. Paul said I didn't do it. I didn't know how to be saved. I didn't know how to rescue myself. I didn't know how to do those things, but he did it. He lifted me up. He picked me up. And the religious world didn't like what he was preaching. The Bible says that he was determined to go to Jerusalem. He was so bent on, on going to Jerusalem and preaching the gospel. And a prophet came up to him and they said, I've got to tell you, there's going to be a lot of trouble. There's going to be a lot of trouble, much trouble for you, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem. And some had hoped that that might have been some sort of deterrent. Like, yeah, like Paul would hear that and be like, you know what? I'm, I'm just not going to go. I'm just going to avoid trouble. I'm just going to avoid that path. I'm just not going to go. But that's not at all the effect that it had on Paul. Paul said, I don't care. What do you think I'm out here doing? You think I'm just traveling around preaching to anybody that would accept me? Let me tell you something. We got it easy here in 2022. We preached to congregations that applaud what we're saying. We got amen corners. Paul didn't have amen corners. Paul just preached the gospel to whosoever will, and most of them weren't saying amen. Most of them were lined up to throw him in the prison. But Paul would preach in the prison. <laughs> When he'd get out of the prison, he'd preach to the guards who were escorting him out of the prison. He'd preach to the king. He'd preach to whoever would listen. Wherever he was, he'd preach Jesus. In Jerusalem, he went directly to the synagogue and started preaching Jesus. He said, the Lord saved me. The Lord caused the great light to shine. He got my attention. He blinded my eyes, but he actually opened. And he shared this to the point that the whole group rose up against him. And they had to come in and the soldiers arrested him. And they didn't even know what was going on. They All that they knew, there was this guy out in the crowds and, and he was preaching and the crowd didn't like it. So they hauled him off. Everybody hates what you're saying. Everybody hates what you're doing. We're just going to, they took him out. And so Paul was being persecuted. They were persecuted. Do you know that at this time there were 40 Jews who went on a hunger strike and said, we will not eat or drink until we kill Paul. They were going to reason with the powers that be to get him released unto them so that they could murder him. That's what was getting ready to happen. And Paul had no idea it was getting ready to happen. So he was inside the prison. Word got to the prison guard that they, that, that, that they got Paul, and they said, we're going to take you out. And he was, he was persecuted, but not forsaken. Follow me. 
You see, persecuted means pursued, but forsaken means left behind. So, so persecuted means that the enemy is pursuing you. But when he said, I'm persecuted but not forsaken, he was saying, yes, the enemy is pursuing me, but God has me by the hand, and he's running me into my future. He's refusing to let me be left behind. Oh, I wonder if there's somebody here today that remembers when the Lord took you by the hand. Amen, friend. You weren't forsaken. You weren't left behind, but the Lord took While Paul is sitting in that prison, he's awaiting trial, and he doesn't know what's going to happen. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, Fear not, Paul. Be of good cheer. I am with you, and I've got more for you to do. This isn't the end of the road for you. Friend, you might feel in this moment that you won't make it through the night, but I've come to tell somebody, don't you be afraid. Be of good cheer. The Lord is with you, and he's there to escort you out of your prison that you find yourself in and into your future. Some of you know what it's like to be pursued by the enemy. You can't lay your head down at night and rest because the enemy's on the trail. But don't be afraid. Don't let fear take over. You might be persecuted, but you're not forsaken. God won't leave you behind. God has a future in mind for you, and I believe he's going to escort you into Troubled, but not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Paul said, I know what it's like to be cast down. And cast down in the Greek means cast down. Paul said, I... I know what it means to be thrown down to the ground. I also know what it's like after having been thrown down to the ground to not be destroyed. For music would come. Paul said, I know what it's like to be thrown down, cast down. I know what it's like to feel like there is no recovery from this. But I also know what it's like to when I expect it all to end, not to be destroyed. There's a story in, in Acts, I believe it's at the end, 20, chapters 27 and 28, the story of Paul on the, on the boat, and he was pleading with the captain not to take a certain route. Now, the captain of that ship, I think we can all agree, has way more experience than Paul. We don't read about Paul being quite the, the, the captain, the nautical person or anything like that. And so this captain has way more experience than he has when it came to sea and navigation. But I'll tell you what this captain didn't have. He didn't have the leadership of the Holy Ghost. When it comes to life decisions... 
please hear me right now. I feel this. When it comes to life decisions, I'm going to follow after the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Over every logical conclusion that this world can develop. Hey, I don't care how much schooling it's got into it. I don't care how many hours of preparation it's got into it. When it comes down to life uh, life decisions, I'm going to follow after the voice of God. I said I'm going to follow after the voice of God. I'm going to follow after the leading of the Holy Ghost. Paul said, listen to me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm begging Don't go this route. Don't the course that you have mapped out. Don't don't do that. There's much peril. The Lord has warned me. But it was out of his control. And the captain, the expert began to take the route that he chose and they began to go straight into the teeth of a storm. A storm that had a name. And it's not like the nice names that we name on hurricanes day like Irma and, and Henry and, 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 and Frank. I don't know if Frank's one of them or anything like that. <laughs> this storm's name was Eurocladon. I mean, I could just hear it flexing whenever it's Eurocladon. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to run into a storm named Eurocladon. And that storm ripped that ship to shreds. It destroyed the boat. And here they are at the mercy of the wind and the waves. It tore that boat into pieces, literally pieces. We know that because Paul was left holding on to a piece of the boat, just trying to paddle to the nearest shore. And do you know that not one person lost their life on that journey? Not one person. Not one person lost their life. Now, the Bible lets us know that Paul spent a day and a night in the deep. It's easy to kind of read that and kind of gloss over that and then just keep on reading the story. A day and a night holding on to this piece of the ship paddling, trying to make it a day and a night. It's easy to kind of read that and be like, oh, that's a cool part of the story. Next verse, and we got to go to know. No, friend, if you are paddling on a piece of a boat out in the deep for a day and a night, you know what that means. It's over. It is over. I wouldn't want that to happen to me at Wren Lake where I could see the shore, where I know there's not some terrible Jonah's whale out there that's just going to come scoop me up. It's over. You know that if you're out in there a day and a night, it is over. You're dying. You're cast down. There's no hope for you. This cannot end well. (laughs) But I don't know what it is about living for God. I don't know what it is about living for the Lord. But it is always when you're living for the Lord, it's a win-win situation. Friend, we're not a defeated foe. Come on, somebody. We're not a defeated foe. Hallelujah. 
I don't know what it is and I can't explain it. Paul understood this so much. He said this. He said, I count not my life dear unto myself. Paul says, I know the course I take. I know, I know the, the, how, how, how dangerous it is, and I know that it may very well could end in my physical death. But Paul said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It is a win-win situation when you're living for the Lord. Paul said, I know what it's like to be cast down, but I also know what it's like to not be destroyed. He floated up onto the shore, and can you imagine how exciting it must have been to be able to find shore after spending a day and a night out in the deep on a broken piece of the boat, just paddling along. When he got up to the shore, and sometimes you think things just can't get worse, and not only to look up and see them get worse. Paul gets on the shore, and he's so cold that he, he goes over, and he builds a fire, and he's gathering some sticks together. And while he's getting the sticks and making the fire, out of the sticks comes, the Bible says, a viper and latched onto his arm. Just when you think it's bad, just when you think things can't get worse, it gets worse. And the Bible says that when the snake latched onto Paul, that those who watched him said, this man is a murderer. Why? Why is he murderer? Because a snake bit him. He had it coming. And you know what? They were right. He was a murderer in his past. But we're not talking about his past. Hey, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. See, I think there's some vipers that are still trying to punish us for our past out there. The vipers of life, I believe they're still jumping out at us, out of the sticks that we're carrying to latch on to us concerning our past. And people in your life are standing by to see how you react when you get bit. That is the dying of the Lord Jesus. That is what Paul was talking about, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. And that viper's hanging on to Paul's arm. And the Bible says that Paul shakes it off into the fire. And everybody was watching, waiting on him just to fall over and die. But he didn't die because the blood of Jesus is an anti-venom. You might feel the pain, but I'm telling you, it doesn't have the power when you have the blood of Jesus. You might feel the effects of the venom, but it doesn't have the power to flow through your body. You might be cast down, but you're not destroyed. You might be perplexed, but you're not in despair. You might be troubled on every side, but you're not in distress. You might be persecuted, but you are not forsaken. And here's my message. You know, sometimes we can concentrate on so much of, I'm troubled. I, I'm troubled. I'm troubled on every side. I'm perplexed. Oh, I'm, I'm cast down 
I'm going through this. I'm persecuted. But Paul teaches us something. Now listen, it's impossible to ignore the fact that you're, when, when you're, that it's impossible to ignore the fact that you're perplexed when you're perplexed. It's impossible to ignore the fact that you're cast down when you're cast down. It's impossible to ignore those things. But he said, that's not what I'm going to concentrate on. He said, I'm going to concentrate on even though I was troubled on every side, I'm not in distress. I'm not going to concentrate on the fact that I've been cast down. I'm going to concentrate on the fact that I haven't been destroyed. I'm not going to concentrate on the fact that I'm not. I'm going to focus on what didn't happen. I'm going to celebrate what didn't happen. I wonder if there's somebody in this room that would stand to your feet with me and celebrate in this room and rejoice over the fact of what didn't happen, what the enemy couldn't do. Come on, give God praise right now for what the devil was unsuccessful at. Come on, I feel a praise in the room this morning. Would you clap your hands and be able to make a joyful noise unto the Lord? Come on, rejoice, celebrate over what didn't happen. Friend, you're still standing. You're still here. You're still breathing. You still have purpose. Come on, you remember when the enemy tried to get you to turn your back on God over being offended and having hurt feelings? Guess what? It didn't work. Remind yourself, I'm still here today. I'm still in the presence of the Lord. I'm still faithful. God's still faithful. I'm still here. Jesus is still here. And friend, I like that partnership. Come on, you might have struggled with it for a little while. You might have been troubled with it for a little while, but you're not in distress. You were perplexed, but you're not in despair. Come on, anybody remember when that joy came in in the midst of sorrows, in the midst of heartache? You remember when the devil set up a trap for you along your journey, but you put your faith in God. You prayed and you fasted. Oh, the devil thought he had you. He doesn't have anything. Rejoice over what didn't happen. Rejoice over the fact that you got the victory in Jesus. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.